You are Locked On Cowboys, your daily podcast on the Dallas Cowboys, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Marcus Mosier. You can find me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. And joining me today is Lynn and McCool. You can follow him on Twitter at McCoolBCB. You can also check him out on the Best Coast Boys podcast. Landon, the Cowboys are NFC East champions. How does it feel? It feels fantastic. I mean, what? Uh, uh, I mean, what a, a game that you're still left biting your nails throughout, and, and especially considering everything that was on the line. And I don't know if, how everyone else was doing, but I was sitting there watching our game, and then I had the Eagles game live on my phone, so I was checking both and just trying to, you know, nervously watch both. But when it was all said and done, and and you know, when Zeke got that last first down run when he breaks it back outside. And, picks it up and it was finally basically the game was over uh it was a great sense of relief you know it was just like oh okay now we just gotta figure things out and tighten it up for the playoffs and and see see what who we got coming up this next week uh, i mean listen i am shocked it's kind of what's happened we go back to week nine or whatever it was the cowboys were three and five they looked like they were dead in the water. Washington was six and two. I think Philadelphia at the time was like four and four or something like that. And it just felt mm-hmm. like the season was over. Um, and now the Cowboys have a meaningless week 17 game because they clinched the division <laughs> crazy. in week 16. I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable. Um, yeah, it's a little side note. I was actually rooting for the Eagles to win today because I want the Patriots to be the number two seed in the AFC. But that's a different wow. point. So I, I'm glad. Wow. I'm glad that the Cowboys didn't back in the playoffs, and that's that was also part of it. I, I wanted the Cowboys to to go out and win a game and, and you know have that momentum going into the playoffs, and that's exactly what they did. The Cowboys on Sunday beat Tampa Bay twenty-seven to twenty. I would argue the the score was not really indicative of the game. Uh, Tampa Bay scored a touchdown. Pretty late in the second or in the fourth quarter, which uh, the Cowboys basically allowed them to have. Uh, it was kind of an odd game. Uh, Tampa Bay controlled the time of possession for most of the part in the game. They ran, uh, I mean, a ton of plays. I think they ran close to seventy plays in this game. Um, but I want to start with the Cowboys' offense. Um, didn't have a ton of opportunities in this game. They they ran just. I'm checking it out here. Just fifty plays. Um, Dak Prescott, 20 of 25, uh, you know, high completion percentage, threw for just 161 yards, had a rushing touchdown, had a passing touchdown to Michael Gallup. What did you think about Prescott's performance on Sunday? Yeah, I mean, just, I think you said it, I think the whole deal with the Dallas offense and the reason the numbers look just kind of generally wonky is they didn't have a lot of opportunities. I mean, you know, the only 18 attempts for Ezekiel Elliott and 25 attempts for Dak Prescott, and that doesn't add up to a lot of opportunities for this Dallas offense to do something. Uh, but that wasn't necessarily a terrible thing, you know. So uh, Dak, I think, you know, made the most of his opportunities. Uh, you know, had some throws that were uh, a little bit high and off. But I think for the, you know, I mean, like most quarterbacks, most games. And I think, you know, made the most of his opportunities um, uh, when he got the chance. Uh, uh, didn't, uh, you know, didn't press too much. You know, that's that was the thing around here is that you couldn't match Winston or whoever was going to, you know, carry the ball for Tampa Bay, you couldn't match them 
turnover for turnover. So that that sure. was really the sure. important thing I think this week was making sure to hold on to the ball, possess the ball, you know, get first downs, you know, and I think they were able to do that, especially um, later on in the game when it mattered. You saw when they got backed up, some of the most important, you know, third down conversions I think they did were when they had bad field position coming out of the shadow of their own end zone and, and Dak is able to get a pass off to Beasley for a first down. And, and all, you know, just, I think, you know, time and time again, when they needed Dak Prescott to win the game is they needed him to make that art, you know, that uh, zone read and, and pull it and, and score a touchdown. They needed him to just make the throw on third down to convert, you know, just like stay in the pocket and make the throw. And, and he was, he was there for the call and all that. He, they, they didn't ask him to go out there and, score a ton of points but he didn't really get the opportunity to and and that it, he did what they, he needed to to win the game and i think uh this week the difference was that he got a, a little bit better help from the the guys that were around him and and that that's what really what the difference was my only complaint about prescott today was he was maybe a little too conservative at times i know aikman pointed out on the broadcast one time where jarwin was down the field and he opted to throw a pass underneath to Elliott. It, it's just kind of in, in Prescott's nature to be safe with the ball. Uh, I'd like to see him rip that throw, you know, more often. But hey, he got the job done. He made the plays when they counted. Um, the touchdown, you know, the read option touchdown was was gorgeous. Uh, the touchdown to Gallup was incredible. I thought his best play of the game was on. I believe it was the first drive. They were backed up third and fifteen, uh, and he just delivers a bullet to to Gallup down the sideline. Yeah. So, uh, you know, just, right in that honey it, it, hole, the, the cover two, right there. Absolutely, you know? it, yeah. just a, a, a fine game from Prescott. Did what he needed to do. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the offensive line. Uh, for the most part, I thought they were pretty good today. Uh, Prescott was sacked just once, uh, and that sack came right before halftime. Vita Vea got him. Uh, but other than that, you know, Prescott had you know some time in the pocket. Uh, I think you see what Zach Martin does when he he's in there. He stabilizes that offensive line. Uh, Tyron Smith had a couple penalties, and I think we're just kind of getting used to that now. Uh, but what did you see from the Cowboys' offensive line this week? Yeah, I mean, I I think that it, it was surprisingly better, and I, I wasn't sure if it was. I wasn't sure if we were going to get you know Zach Martin coming in at at 75% and looking, you know, ragged. I wasn't sure if, if we were going to see any kind of residual issues with Xavier Suofilo's eye situation in a situation that had already kind of grown not as great as it had initially started, you know, with with that left guard position. Um, but I, I think that when you look at the, the grand total of what they did, um, you know, it, it, it it's still not back to – what we were expecting going into the season, you know, because I mean, that, and a lot of that is because of, again, who is and who is not playing on this offensive line. But right. I think if you're talking about what you could hope for, uh, for this offensive line, the offensive line wasn't what didn't get in the way, you know what I'm saying? And, and I think, uh, at times the run blocking looked a lot more stable than it had previously. I mean, he, Zeke only got 18 carries, but he was still averaging 4.7 yards an attempt. And, 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 you know what, he didn't break off the, any 40 yard runs, but he was, he got a couple of, uh, of, of longer runs at different points, uh, you know, 10 plus yard runs. So, um, and, I, and I think a lot of that was, was good blocking. So, I mean, again, when the other team possesses the ball 35 minutes, uh, you, you don't get a ton of opportunities. But the offensive line, um, you know, when the Cowboys stalled out or when they weren't able to take advantage of what few opportunities they had, 
uh, it wasn't, you know, always, it wasn't really because of the offensive line. It was, you know, except for whatever penalties they were calling. And there was at least one questionable Tyron Smith call. There were questionable calls throughout this game. And I'm sure that should be a whole separate <laughs> subsection of this conversation because it may be even a whole, just the back half of this whole podcast. I mean, we can do a podcast the, if you want We can to. just I do mean... a separate podcast on, on just the state of refereeing in the NFL in general, but, but also in this game as a microcosm for the state of the NFL of uh, refereeing in general. But um, I, I think that as a whole, when you consider, uh, you know, the talent that they were facing, I, mean, I think that's what some people forget. I mean, there's some really, there's some dudes on that defensive line for Tampa Bay. And Vita Vea is no joke. And, uh, you know, and obviously they have an all, all pro type player playing three technique. J- Jason Pierre Paul has come over there and, and played well. And Nassib has been a, a lot better player than I think the general public is aware of. Absolutely. Yes. You know, I think these are all guys that are that are good players, and, and the Cowboys were able to, you know, actually be pretty effective in the run game, um, and and really in the passing game when they weren't effective, it was you know. Deck wasn't accurate enough. Receiver wasn't uh, able to bring it in. Um, you know, it wasn't so much because of uh, offensive line miscues causing pressure and Dak having to you know get dump it off too soon. It was more uh, miscues just in the the receiving game in general. So I think overall you have to be happy with what you got uh, out of this offensive line that you know, is kind of beat up right now and 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 just kind of getting out of performance. Here's the problem. You you talked to me about the officials right before we're supposed to take a break, and we I could go on for <laughs> hours talking about how poorly the officials are across the league. Uh, yeah. um, but I'll have to save that for another podcast. But let's let's take a quick break. This episode of the Locked On Cowboys podcast is sponsored by Action Heat. Action Heat makes the world's best battery heated clothing. Heat on demand at the touch of a button. Control your environment with Action Heat. Action Heat clothing is engineered to safely and efficiently deliver heat via heating panels similar to those of a heated car seat. They can reach temperatures of up to 135 degrees and are powered by rechargeable 5-volt lithium-ion batteries that last up to 12 hours on a single charge. It's a perfect gift for any friend or family. It's great for anybody who works outdoors, skis, snowboards, hunts, anything like that. Anybody that hates the cold, you need to get them an Action Heat garment this Christmas season. Uh, for our listeners, we have a special deal to save 20% off your entire order. Just go to actionheat.com slash locked on to check out everything Action Heat has to offer. That's actionheat.com slash locked on or use the coupon code locked on at the checkout to save 20%. Stay toasty warm while you enjoy all your outdoor activities this winter with Action Heat, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. All right, Landon, I have one more question about the offense for you before we move on to talk about this defense. Uh, going into Week 17, the Cowboys have absolutely nothing to play for. With the Chicago winning today, they are locked into the three seed. Dallas is locked into the four seed. Normally, I'm against resting players, but with Tyron Smith and Zach Martin both 85, 90%. Do you, do you think about resting those guys next week against the Giants? You know, I think it's tough. Here's the thing. If you're going to rest Tyron Smith, you better make sure that he's practicing all week. Um, and all these I'm guys. Fine with that. You know, here's, yes. here's my thing is that I, I really believe that what they can't do is just shut them down for the week. 
because that's that's bad news. I think I I think that they need to you know they're in a rhythm, and, and especially someone like Tyron Smith who's just kind of now having missed some time previously in the season is kind of just now working his way back into not playing shape, but, but like, you know, like uh, getting, getting the timing of everything down better and getting, you know, so maybe do you use a, do you use the first quarter as like a, you let Tyron play the first quarter and then take him out? Maybe. Or yeah. do the same thing with Zach Martin? I, I, I think you definitely, you know, look, I, I think that there is value in making sure that those guys don't get any more banged up on a meaningless game. I, I think there is value to that. I also think that there is something important about not screwing up the pattern of, you know, consistency in an environment of consistency that has i i think that people forget how important it is for these guys to be creatures of habit and and i think that that is a very psychologically for a lot of these guys it's important that they continue um to keep focus on this week's opponent and preparing normally and when they they disrupt that pattern uh you know it kind of can disrupt their play so i i think that there is a psychological argument to be made that it's important for these guys to continue um to work throughout the week now then we i think that yes the what you're talking about is the way that you deal with their snap counts is how you regulate them ultimately right because i mean i think you could take them into the game you have them warm up you have them dress out they're all wearing everything now here's the problem with that is what happens when if someone goes into the game and gets hurt a backup gets hurt uh if you've dressed only the starters the guys that you plan on pulling out and then the backup gets hurt suddenly you've got to play the starters a lot more than you want and then well, you will just keep eight keep eight eight after after this week i mean can't you have you could have connor well, williams if, active if the you idea could have is, Kim fleming active. yeah if the idea is that you're doing it just for the offensive line that's fine but i'm saying as a general rule for you know the the, the, the thoughts process for the starters on both sides of the ball you, you got to be careful especially if you're going to play with the numbers you know what i'm saying so like i think you're right maybe this is a thing where you do this uh, in spots where you have some more veterans or players that you're more concerned like the offensive line where you're concerned that maybe that they they need some rest or they need to get a little bit healthy and i think maybe you're right maybe the offensive line is the area specifically that it needs to be done only but uh i think that the only thing that you have to worry about is you got to still field and play a football game next week so you got to think about sure. that as well so sure. The only other guy I would consider limiting their snaps is Ezekiel Elliott. Now that, especially that you have Darius Jackson on the roster, you could play Smith and Jackson most of the snaps. Maybe do the same thing with Zeke. Give him the first drive, maybe the first quarter. Let him get into rhythm, have him practice all week. But maybe try to save his legs a little bit for yeah, the playoffs. Absolutely. Um, let's go. Let's go ahead and talk about the defense. Uh, there is a lot to talk real, about real with quick, this be- unit. Before we do, I, I, because sure. we didn't get a chance to hit on the receivers, so I just want to make sure that I thought I, I think it's important that we point out that Beasley came out and really had a, a, a return to kind of form performance. He's been injured the last few oh, weeks. Absolutely. And for him to come out and to get five targets for five catches for, for 50 yards, I think you know that, again, kind of shows you who that guy is, getting that guy back involved. Now, we need to get Cooper back involved in this. But, again, opportunities were very limited. But I, I just think wanted to mention that getting Beasley involved, back involved in the passing game late in the season is a, a bonus because we have not yet really seen seen this offense completely fully deployed with a full and active Beasley and Cooper uh, you know and everybody else so it, this is the time to get all these guys back and rolling and, and, and get this passing game back in sync 
Yeah, this was just the fourth time all season that Beasley had at least 50 receiving yards. Uh, I wouldn't say it's his best game because I thought he dominated in the Jacksonville game, but probably his second best game of the season. Yeah. Um, defense. A lot of different storylines we can go here. I want to start with Randy Gregory because I kind of felt like this was this was his game, right? Yeah. Now, on the stat sheet, he ended up with two tackles, uh, two, two assisted tackles, and a, a sack and a forced fumble. Um, but he was all over the field, and his his strip sack of Jameis Winston, really the changing point of the game. That led to a Jalen Smith return touchdown. Uh, you know, the the Buccaneers were in field goal range. All of a sudden, you know, the Cowboys are up fourteen to three. Uh, what did you see from Randy Gregory in Week Sixteen? Well, first of all, I, I feel like a proud papa because uh, for for <laughs> for me, for Randy Gregory and for uh, Jalen Smith uh, to watch Randy Gregory strip a player in a meaningful game and then watch Jalen Smith pick it up and run it back for a seventy-yard touchdown, sixty-nine-yard touchdown. Uh, like I could not have been more proud at that moment. <laughs> like I was just like uh, beaming uh, ear to ear, seriously, because that was just awesome to watch. But I, I think, you know, if Randy Gregory achieved that rare thing on the stat sheet where he had a forced fumble and a fumble recovery, and those were two separate plays. And um, <laughs> right, this is very true. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> and, then it's, and that's what happened. So if a forced fumble is the one that Jalen Smith picked it up and ran back for a touchdown, and then he, the for, fumble recovery was on the kind of bobbled reverse play that they ran, that he did he had a really nice heads-up job and was able to recover it down to the two-yard line. So I think what we've seen with Randy is uh, what we knew about the dude is that he has what it takes to do, play this, to do this, you know, and, and be very, very good at it. And the reason that the Cowboys – uh, continue to give him chance after chance after chance and, and, and to try to help this guy is that he is special in a way that is hard to describe unless you've watched him play, you know, a lot. And, and, and he's just physically built to do, you know, there are very few people. Um, there are people in this league that work their whole lives physically in a gym, uh, you know, from the age of 10 or 11 years old to get into the NFL and they are just to get the kind of level of physicality required to play at their position in the NFL. Randy Gregory has a level of natural ability and flexibility and uh, power that it comes with that flexibility that is so valuable at a very certain position in the NFL that he's able to do come off you know two years of not playing football, two years of not lifting weights or whatever. Uh, and then come in and give you five sacks and limited snaps in the NFL, and you know cause huge plays in the game. I I I couldn't be prouder, couldn't be happier for him. I, I hope he continues to kind of keep things clean off the field so he can continue to do this. But I think we've only started to scratch the surface of of Randy Gregory. Well said. I I really thought that was one of Gregory's best games of the season. Just his his motor around the edge. Um, the other guy I want to give a little credit to is Taco Charlton. I know it's been a rough season yes. for Taco. Um, a, a lot of a lot of healthy inactives over the last couple of weeks. He's dealt with a shoulder injury. Uh, when Tyrone Crawford went down on what was the second play of the game, uh, his snaps had to increase a little bit, and Taco played well. I uh, didn't record a sack, but I think he ended up with five tackles. Um, There's a couple times he had some some pressures that were you know he was close to the quarterback. Uh, so it's just nice to see him back in the game, uh, making plays. So uh, hats off to Taco Charlton. Um, let's talk a little bit about the secondary because they were a little up and down. Uh, Byron Jones didn't have his best game of the season, but um, eh, you know Mike Evans is a tough cover. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I want to talk about Xavier Woods. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, so Xavier Woods is flying all over the field. Uh, I listen. His his hit on Adam Humphreys absolutely was ridiculous. A bogus call. Well, I, mean, that, I, I don't care what anybody says. It's bogus. That's the stuff like that is is honestly going to ruin NFL football eventually. You know, if if they cannot get when when they set the rules a certain way and then the players execute it to perfection. And it's just because it was a big hit on a guy. Like he went shoulder to shoulder. I don't even think that their heads touched each other. Like not even a little. So bit. this is like this is ridiculous, guys. NFL, the NFL, and I'm again. We're not going to get on the box a little bit, but uh, just for a second, NFL officiating has got to fix this. This because this, this is absolutely, absolutely unacceptable that that an NFL player is doing everything that you're asking him, and then you're still throwing the flags. It's this is completely unacceptable, and the NFL has to fix this. But yes, Xavier Woods, uh, last- fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, just flying all over the field. Uh, there was one time, or after that play, uh, Xavier Woods came and sat on the bench, and Chris Richard kind of gave him a fist bump and said, hey, that's not on yeah. you. And listen, I, I love it. That's Woods can't do anything differently. Nope. I, I thought he played a really good game. Uh, the last thing I want to talk about is those two stud linebackers the Cowboys have. Leighton Vander and Esch and Jalen Smith in this game combined for 25 tackles, two pass deflections, and a touchdown. Not bad, right? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I think Vanderesh was. I mean, this is a, this is they they've shown us pretty much who they are. Like Vanderesh is the cleaner, and Jalen's the playmaker. You know, it's like Vanderesh basically just Absolutely. erases whatever you know issues there are anywhere on the field. If 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 someone misses their gap or whatever, he's there to make the tackle. He's just going to vacuum up all the tackles, and then Jalen Smith is the one who is going to make you wish that Leighton Vander Esch had tackled you already because he is going to separate you from the ball. He's going to separate you from your jaw. He's going to separate you from your soul. He's basically going to hit you so hard and so physically, whether it's in the middle and pass protection, in pass defense, um, it's you know in the trenches as a blitzer, whether you're pass protecting for your quarterback and about to get destroyed by him, whether you're throwing the football and about to get destroyed by him, whether you're carrying the football and about to get destroyed by him, Jalen's going to find you. And again, if he doesn't, then Leighton Vander Esch will. So the Cowboys, for our Christmas present this year, they give us a division win. We have a playoff game coming up here in a couple weeks. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have a lot of shows previewing. Yeah. Uh, obviously, next week's game, we're going to be talking about the Cowboys matchup in the playoffs, and it kind of looks like right now it's going to be against Seattle. Uh, well, we'll know for sure next week. But hey, I mean, listen, again, Cowboys at three and five, and now we have a meaningless week 17 because they've clinched the NFC East. I mean, absolutely incredible. Um, one kind of last thing to tie things up. Uh, we, not we. I give Jason Garrett a lot of, uh, you know, a hard time because of some of the things he does as a coach. But over the last three years, this team has won 13-9 in at least nine games. So three straight winning seasons with a new quarterback. I mean, listen, this is one of the teams that's competing every single week. Um, and we get to the playoffs. I'm not sure a lot of teams are going to want to face the Cowboys considering the, the defense and, uh, you know, the running game they have, right? Since Jason Garrett has been here, when Jason Garrett has his starting quarterback, when his QB1 is in his 
not his IR QB, but the QB one that he goes into the games with is on the field with Jason Garrett. The Dallas Cowboys have been a very difficult team to beat over the last three or three to five years. Um, and, Absolutely. And I, th- I think it's time that you know some people that are upset with him recognize that. there Are, are there things that can be tweaked here and there, uh, fixed, wholesale problems that needs to be fixed? Absolutely. But I think that the, the people need to recognize that there's something about Jason Garrett and his program and his job that he does at least six six days out of the week uh, that promotes winning in, in a serious way and dealing with an owner that many other people also view as problematic. So I think people need to recognize that Jason Garrett's job is very difficult and he does a lot of things well. Maybe he needs some help on certain aspects of offensive play calling and maybe he needs to let go of certain offensive coaches if if we can have that debate and i'm sure we will have that debate in the coming weeks and months uh but i think for now i think people need to stop take a breath uh you know get rid of the clapper mentality the 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 constant memes and actually look at the results that have happened here jason garrett has done a lot of great things for building a, a lot of what you've seen around here even on the defense and um, so I think it's Absolutely. I think it's time that people actually give him a little bit of credit here before God only knows what's going to happen the next two three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that is it for today's show. Thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow Landon at McCoolBCB. You can follow the show at Locked On Cowboys, and I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier. Enjoy your Christmas, guys, and we will be right back here over the next couple of days. <laughs> <laughs>